Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week we pick a starting point and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to unearth a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are, well, useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is Series 2, Episode 16. Bulbs. We stayed with some friends recently, didn't we? We have actually got some friends, haven't we? <laughs> Kelly with a Y. Yeah, not to be mixed up with Kelly with an IE. Yeah. And Loz. And we had a very confusing conversation, didn't we? Which all started with Kelly with a Y recalling her days as a teenager when she worked in a bulb factory. That's right. <laughs> I had assumed, and I think you had as well, um, I thought she meant electric bulbs, like that, light bulbs. That's what I took it to be, yeah. Yeah, when in fact she was referring to bulbs of the garden variety. It threw us both, didn't it? Well, yeah, such hilarity ensued, didn't it, when we realised the crossed wires. And Kelly with a Y then said that that would be a good starting point for one of our podcast episodes. So here we are. So here we are indeed. I took her up on it. There would have been a lot of work for Kelly in that bulb factory when she was a teenager because she lived near Spalding, where the famous Tulip Festival took place. The world the... famous Tulip Festival yes. of Spalding. Yes, you may mock, but it was very famous. Oh, was it? <laughs> Well, it had been delighting audiences since 1959. Well, I'm not surprised. Tulips are lovely things. When, when the first official tulip parade took place. Unfortunately, the tulip festival was canned in 2013 due to funding cuts. Oh, dear. And it was described as a sad time for the market town. But guess what? What? This year, 2023, it's being brought back. Uh, and actually, the town are funding themselves and the festival returns on May the 13th. I am which is, delighted. It, it's mere days away. Well, let's jump in the car. Let's get up there and see some tulips. Let's not and say we did. Um, Norfolk, your um, county of birth is pretty adept at growing tulips too. Did you know that? Oh, of course. You can't yeah. You can't move for tulips up there in Norfolk. Yeah. I, do you know why there's lots of tulip action in Lincolnshire and Norfolk? I'm going to have a wild guess. There's loads of... Uh, the Netherlands is famous for tulips and the Netherlands has a very similar topography to Norfolk and Lincolnshire. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Oh. In, well, for Norfolk and Lincolnshire, yeah, it's the land. It's, it's the fens specifically for Norfolk and Lincolnshire. They're legendary when it comes to bulb growing as the soil is rich and fertile. Oh, and owing to the moisture of the fens. Yeah, yeah exactly, ah. all the water. And, and I assume that's the same for the Netherlands because they are well below sea level, aren't they? I'll take your word for it. Oh, they are. Well, that's why they're called the Lowlands of Holland. The There's Lowlands that famous of Holland. folk song, isn't there? Um, yeah, Holland. There's water all over the place, isn't there? You can't move for water in Holland. Anyway, fun fact about tulips. Is there? Yes, there is. I managed to find. I found quite a few, actually. Did you Google fun facts about tulips? Yes, I did. Oh, did you? Did you know that tulips don't produce nectar? 
so they don't rely on bees and other insects for pollination. Oh. Yeah, they prefer to keep it loose and breezy and they rely on the wind <laughs> and land animals to move their pollen around. Well, that's very casual of them. Well, that's probably because they self-pollinate, so they only need to move the pollen around themselves rather oh. than to another plant, the oh. dirty buggers. Oh, they'll go blind if they do too much of that. <laughs> Of course, as we've touched upon, it's not just Lincolnshire and Norfolk that are world famous for their tulip growing. The Netherlands is the world's main producer of commercial tulip plants, producing as many as three billion bulbs annually. Wow. The majority for export. That is a lot of bulbs. Um, but tulips don't originate from the Netherlands, though. They were brought over to Europe from Central Asia oh. at the end of the 16th century. And the tulip was different from other flowers known to Europe at that time because of its intense saturated petal colour. And they soon became a status symbol. Did they? Well, thanks Asia for giving us your tulips. Yeah, I, I love a tulip. Who doesn't? Which brings me to tulip mania. You are going to have to expand upon that. A bit like beetle mania. Right. Um, it was a period during the Dutch Golden Age in the 17th century, when contract prices for some bulbs of the recently introduced and fashionable tulip reached extraordinary high levels. At the peak of tulip mania in February 1637, some single tulip bulbs sold for more than 10 times the annual income of a skilled artisan. Good grief. A viceroy tulip was worth upwards of five times the cost of an average house at the time. Are you eating me? No. It's generally considered to have been the first recorded speculative bubble or asset bubble in history. Do you know what a speculative bubble is? No, what's a speculative bubble? Or an economic bubble. It's a period when current asset prices greatly exceed their intrinsic valuation. Like the dot-com bubble, oh, you right. know, but you know, of the late 90s, where investors poured money into internet-based companies. That didn't end well, did and, it? Yeah, these investments were highly speculative, and many of these companies ended up not being viable, and so the bubble burst. I was just thinking about uh, tulip mania, where there are people just uncontrollably screaming at the sight of tulips. <laughs> Now, you know you were banging on about there's a load of water in the Netherlands. There is. And uh, quite right you are too. I thought I would uh, look into that and, of course, I stumbled across Amsterdam, famous for its canals. Yes. Did you know that Amsterdam has more canals than Venice? Wow. Yeah, with a score of 165 versus 150. Oh, OK. That's interesting. I didn't know that. And I'm sure it's also a fact that Birmingham has got more canals than Venice. No way. No way. I'm Googling it now. What? It says here... Go on. Birmingham has 35 miles of canals, which is said to be more than Venice. Okay. For a start, Birmingham is going to be much, much bigger. Okay. Yeah, and then another website here says that... No, that's a load of rubbish. Birmingham doesn't have more canals than the Italian water-based city Venice, but it does have more miles of canals. So it's a technicality. OK, I'm glad we cleared that up. Me too. Can you imagine honeymooners reading that and then saying, oh, it's a bit cheaper to go to Birmingham than Venice. Let's go to Birmingham and then them getting there and... Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with Birmingham. Why am I slagging off Birmingham? I love Birmingham. Don't be slagging off Birmingham. Anyway... Famous people from Amsterdam. Okay. Dennis Bergkamp, 
Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, he's that got footballer. Big gloves. Rude Hullet. He's another footballer, isn't he? My, or was my sister shared a jacuzzi with Rude Hullet? Did she back in the nineties? Yeah. Did that make the uh, tabloids at all? Or was it? In no, a it didn't. Movie? It didn't make the tabloids. But I'm pretty sure she's been on the radio talking about it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it was entirely innocent, by the way. It we was. should say before solicitors get involved. Um, Patrick Cliver, I think he was another footballer, yeah. weren't he? he? Yeah. These are probably that's probably not that surprising. Uh, yeah. Um, the singer, pop singer, Caro Emerald is oh, from yeah. uh, Amsterdam. She's quite trendy. This surprised me. Eddie and Alex Van Halen from the rocking band Van Halen. Oh wow. Yeah, they're, they're from... They're uh, actually from Amsterdam. They're actually Amazing. from Amsterdam. Oh, I'm going to have to look into that. As is Freddie Heineken. Him off of Heineken. Him off of Heineken. And uh, Famke Janssen. Oh, yeah, the actress, the good wife. and um, she, she was uh, on a top. On a top. On Goldeneye. Goldeneye, yeah. Goldeneye, the, yeah, the She Bond would kill movie. her victims by straddling them and strangling them with her thighs, which was nice. <laughs> And I've got more facts about the Netherlands in general, if you like. Okay. How about this? The average Dutch man is 1.83 metres, which doesn't mean much to me, but it's that's six feet one inch. Wow, six foot one. That's tall. That's the average. That's the average. Cool, they're tall. They are tall, them Dutchies. I loved your list of famous people from Amsterdam. Thank you. So I wanted to look into Eddie and Alex Van Halen. I had no idea they were actually born... And they uh, they were born in Amsterdam and then they moved to the States when they were still relatively young. I think Eddie was about seven when they moved over to the States. OK, so Eddie Van Halen. Tell me more. I didn't really know much about him at all. Did you know he played the solo on Michael Jackson's Beat It? I don't want to burst any bubbles here, but I was furnished with that knowledge. Oh, you did know that? Yeah, I oh, did, okay. yeah. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Well, it's a pretty legendary guitar solo, isn't it? He does a bit of shredding, yeah. Apparently, he took less than an hour to record that solo. I like it. Get in, record it, get out. And he wasn't even paid for it. What? He wasn't even paid for yeah, it? Yeah, according to a 2012 CNN interview, he did it purely as a favour to producer Quincy Jones, thinking that the song would barely be heard. <laughs> oh, wow. He said, quote, who's going to know that I played on this kid's record, right? No one's going to find out. And apparently he didn't want to be credited or paid because it would make everything too complicated. And he just asked for a case of beer and for Michael Jackson to give him dance lessons. I am loving the work of uh, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, I wonder, did those lessons ever take place? I'd love to have seen that. I'll tell you what, he could do a mean moonwalk, old uh, yeah. Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, also, in another fun crossover, mm -hmm. Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth, singer from Van Halen, uh, for a time... They appeared in a Frank Sinatra video. Did they? Yeah. In 1984, they appeared as themselves in the opening to the video for L.A. Is My Lady, which was the title track of Sinatra's final solo album. OK. Well, you should watch it. It's cheesy and fun. It's great. And also appearing in that video were Dean Martin, Donna Summer and Michael McDonald. OK. Yeah, lots of famous people in that video. I think Old Blue Eyes was trying to woo the fledgling MTV audience. On the subject of old Frank Sinatra, or as our Cornish friend Andy would say, Frank, Frank Sinatra, Sinatra. Um, I found a couple of interesting facts for you. Okay. One blew my mind. It's this. When he was born, he weighed 13 and a half pounds. 
Oh my God, his poor mother. 6.1 kilograms. That's huge. That's massive, right? And he was a he was a little skinny thing. Yeah, well, apparently when I was born, I was something like eight and a half to nine pounds. Which is pretty big. And my mother said, you were a big old thing. But look at that, <laughs> 13 and a half yeah. pounds That's was old huge. blue eyes. Um, and uh, he had to be delivered with the aid of forceps. I bet he bloody did. Um, which, unfortunately for old uh, Frankie there, caused severe scarring to his left cheek, oh. neck and ear, and it also perforated his eardrum. Oh. Uh, poor little thing. And his eardrum remained damaged for the rest of his life. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when he was in an unconscious state, when he was born, apparently his grandmother resuscitated him uh, by running him under cold water until he gasped his first breath. That's quite a funny image, though, isn't it? Just him being run under the cold tap. <laughs> run it under the cold tap, it'll be fine. And another interesting story about Frank Sinatra. Yeah. A few days after JFK was assassinated, mm. Frank's son, Frank Jr., very originally named, was kidnapped oh. by three fellows, one called Barry Keenan, the other Joe Amsler and a bloke called Johnny Irwin. Right. And the kidnappers were asking a ransom of $240,000. Right. Which is roughly uh, the equivalent of two million okay. in, in today's money. Yeah. Now Frank so was so desperate to get his son back, he actually offered them a million. But they said, no, 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 we're, uh, we're, we're cool with the, with the 240,000. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly criminal masterminds, no. one might argue. Sinatra went to the FBI, who advised him to pay up, which he did. And uh, Frank Jr., thank goodness, was returned two days later. Right. And then the FBI traced the money to the three kidnappers. They were caught, they were convicted and sentenced to life plus 75 years. Right. That's a long, that's a long old time. That's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? But here's the weird thing. They were all released. Joe and Johnny... After just three and a half years. Right. And Barry Keenan, who was the mastermind, after four and a half, as he was deemed insane. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's unclear why the other two were were released. Um, but I have since learned that Barry, he went on to have a very successful career in real estate. I'm looking up famous kidnappings. <laughs> shouldn't laugh. No, I shouldn't laugh, actually, because, to be honest, most of them are pretty grim reading. OK, I um, retract my laugh. Yeah. Well, I did stumble across this story, though, and I wonder if you remember it or if anybody listening remembers it. Go on. In 1992, yeah. aerobics teacher Joanna Grenside from Harpenden in England yeah. staged her own kidnapping to avoid Christmas. <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of on her side there. Yeah, well, it cost the police £20,000 to investigate. OK, I'm slightly withdrawing my uh, previous comments. Yeah, she, she ended up being charged with wasting police time. OK. Although the judge was lenient in her sentencing, as apparently she had bulimia and wanted to avoid all the festive eating and drinking. So it was a very much a, oh, a mental health. Oh, I see, health. mitigating circumstances. Yeah. OK. But apparently she'd got the idea when she lived in Australia okay. as there was a similar case there, Okay. which I then looked into. Yeah. And yeah, that was the case of Fairly Arrow. That's an interesting name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is an interesting name. She I've, was not, a... I've not met many Fairlies. No, no. Um, she was a singer and she went missing for two days and was found tied up in a road in Queensland. She claimed she'd been abducted by a fan, 
blindfolded and bound to a four-poster bed. Right. But in reality, she'd been watching and loving all the press coverage on the TV in her motel room, only a few miles away from her home. A slight spanner was thrown into the works when a cleaner at the motel recognised her and contacted the police. Oops. Yeah, and so after a lot of interviews, two weeks later she admitted making up the story to boost her flagging singing career. Oh dear. And um, she said that staging the disappearance was better than being dead. So fairly Arrow was using the old publicity stunt. She was, yeah. Well... I'm reading here that one of the earliest recorded publicity stunts in history actually occurred in ancient Greece. Okay. Yeah, apparently around 550 BCE, Mm. uh, the famous Temple of Artemis was built in Ephesus. Mm you might recall. It was considered... Oh, I remember it well. Oh, I couldn't... All that scaffolding up all that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was considered the greatest architectural wonder to date and was revered by all. Mm. However, by 365 BCE, it was sadly destroyed in a terrible incident. Right. Because a Greek man called Herostratus decided to burn it to the ground by setting fire to its wooden beams. And when asked why the hell did you do that, he explained that he simply wanted to ensure that his name would go down in history. Oh. Yeah, the earliest publicity stunt. And he was executed. And the Greeks put a ban on saying his name in an attempt to wipe him from memory. However, his cunning plan was ultimately a success because we now have the phrase... Herostratic fame, which is used to describe fame achieved through criminal acts. Is it? I've never heard of it. I've never used it, but now I'm going to start using it. It's interesting, though, that you say about the Greeks trying to put a ban on saying his name in an attempt to wipe him from memory. Is that maybe the first incidence of the Streisand effect? You know. Oh, I like it. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. All the previous talk of kidnapping reminded me of a favourite film of mine. You're going to say Taken. I am going to say Taken. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is that? I don't know why I'm doing it in this voice. I don't know what. I don't it remember. Needs... I don't remember Mrs. Doyle being in it. It's it's more Northern Irish, isn't it? I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a ransom, I can tell you, I don't have money. Give us your money. Give us your. <laughs> money but what i do have can you do it can you do your northern irish i'll try it i don't know who you are i don't know what you want if you're looking for ransom i can tell you i have i don't have money but what i do have are a very particular set of skills skills i have acquired over a long career skills that make me make me a nightmare for people like you if you let my daughter go now That'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you and I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I got some fun facts for you about the film Taken. Oh, yeah. Writer and producer Luc Besson. Oh, I didn't know it was him. Yeah, he first cast Jeff Bridges in the role of Brian Mills. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. May I just be controversial here? Yeah. I think Luc Besson is the most overrated director of all time, but there you go, that's just me. Well, Taken actually got a pretty hard time from the critics when it came out. They they didn't like it, but it obviously proved very popular with the audiences. Um, Not least you. Back to Brian Mills, the character in Taken. He kills a whopping 31 people 
in the very first Taken film. He gets a bit busy with the trigger, doesn't he? Over the film's 90-minute runtime, that works out at just over one kill every three minutes. Wow. And I thought this was fun. Taken went by several different names across Europe, as films often do. Yeah. In Germany, the first movie was released under the title 96 Hours. And in Russia, it was called The Hostage. Yeah. In Spain, it was called Revenge. Yeah. Uh, but the best translated title comes from Italy, though, where the film goes by the name I Will Find You. <laughs> what would that be actually in Italian, please? Io vi troverò. Nice. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And who stars alongside Liam Neeson in the film? I don't recall. You're going to have to remind me. Fam K. Jansen. Oh! Who's from Amsterdam. And there you go. A very nearly circular episode. Very nicely, neatly tied up. No loose ends. And it all stemmed from bulbs, if you will. Nice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love to hear from you, especially if we've got any of our information wrong, or you have some more fascinating facts about something we've talked about, or you could even suggest a subject for our starting point. Our email address is when one thing leads to another at gmail.com. A massive thank you to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. It's a track called Homo Erectus taken from his fantastical album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting us. Join us next week for another episode of When One Thing Leads to Another. Please note that all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity. Mm -hmm.